0: Thank you. to another episode of the eagles water cooler we gather as a uh, full roster tonight andrew matt and mike and chris here to talk about the eagles 23 to 23 tie against the cincinnati Bengals, uh falling to oh two and one on the season still winless going back to december of 2019 there are so many things that made this as we were just talking before the podcast um uh, Not a fun watching experience, not fun for the the Eagles fan and for a multitude of reasons, but we're not going to as much uh, go play by play today and really break down the game more so the issues that we're seeing. And um, I guess a little bit of a long view where sitting at 0-2 and 1, sort of where can the Eagles go from here? So I would say that one of the main obstacles to the Eagles success so far in 2020 has been Carson Wentz. Uh, He's been wildly inaccurate, uh, which continued in this game. He throws two interceptions. Uh, Misses Miles Sanders on what was a short touchdown, probably would have sealed the game. And one of the things that's really concerning for me that I'm seeing is this sort of unintelligent decision-making that with a lot of the consistent things that we're used to seeing Carson do well, that seems to be something he's consistently not doing well, is making good decisions um, in the course of the game, going through his progressions um really looks like a different player looks like a different player physically he scrambled for that touchdown to tie the game and just looks slow and lumbering uh indecisive um really difficult to have a lot of faith in Carson Wentz right now um he did make some plays this weekend where he he was able to get out and run uh, which is something we haven't seen but again doesn't look athletic the way he used to before his injuries definitely as I mentioned had some accuracy issues um but Some of the things that we were complaining about early in the year, him getting rid of the ball, um, him, you know, knowing when to say when. We are seeing more of those things, but it's at the cost of receivers who are open and opportunities that are there that he's seemingly missing, either because he's rushing or not paying attention to detail. And I think what's most concerning for me with Wentz is a lot of things that I thought were his strengths, which were his intelligence, his decision making, his ability to move around and improvise. I'm not seeing uh, any of those things for the most part. Um, he was uh, able to connect with Zach Ertz on a great one-handed, one-handed excuse me, catch by Ertz, but again, not an accurate pass. Ertz was able to bring it down, uh, but it could have gotten him hurt, uh, certainly, and just not seeing it really from 11 in these first three games. So I'm going to throw it around the room here a little bit and just talk about Carson, talk about what you're not seeing from him, what you are seeing, maybe what's the most concerning to you. Let's start with Andrew.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been a brutal three games here. Um, the regression that we're seeing out of him is is alarming. Um, I think you hit it on the head. You know, his inaccuracy and decision-making are kind of the one-two punch that uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where this is rooted in. I don't know if this is because they drafted Jalen Hurts, if, I, if this is because of a loss um, preseason. Um, I don't know. But uh, he has no confidence back there. He has, um, what, almost two interceptions a game, I think, so the touch isn't there. Uh, he's missed on seemingly every deep pass. He had the one uh, to Rager in the first game. He had the nice one to, to Ertz in this last game. But he's missed Deshaun. He's missed Hightower. He, and you pointed it out. He missed Miles in the fourth quarter as they're driving. Um, just brutal. And... Yeah, I mean, I would like to know where this is coming from. Um, yes, there's injuries to the offensive line. Yes, the the wide receiving core is not the best, but he doesn't even look good thrown to Hurts. There's no connection. There's no chemistry. There's no – there's nothing. There's nothing. So, yeah. Chris. There is a clear
0: disconnect there, Andrew, and I think when you mentioned Jalen Hurts, it made me wonder, you know, <clears throat> I'm I'm really disinterested in the type of quarterback who – has somebody behind him. And I know Carson Wentz has a very particular complex because of Nick Foles in the 2017 Super Bowl run and everything that happened there. But Carson was playing sensational uh, before he was injured. And I'm really concerned at the idea that with the Eagles drafting, you know, a quarterback in the second round, which is extremely high, that Carson doesn't look at that as a challenge to say, I'm going to step up. I'm going to get out there and show like, how dare you draft somebody that high? Here's my skill set. Here's what I can still do. Yeah. And instead we're kind of seeing the opposite. I feel like I'm seeing him turtle a little bit. So I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's, it's disappointing, right? This is year four, year five for him. He should be the, he's the veteran. He's the leader of the team. Um, the fact that they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round, that's sh- after signing Carson to a massive contract that shouldn't have impact. And it's unfortunate that it does. Um, But, you know, whether that's a piece of it, whether it's a small part of it, it still is not an excuse for his play on the field. Not picking up blitzes, not reading defenses, not reading through his progression of wide receivers, um, turnovers, fumbling the ball, whether it's uh, whether it's turned over or not. It's on the ground. Um, Man, it just it. And out of Carson, it hasn't been this bad ever, really, I don't think i mean when he was a rookie in 2016 the team went seven and nine he started all 16 games but he was throwing to uh josh huff and and dorial green beckham like so while the weapons seemingly might not be there because of injuries it's still not a good excuse it's 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 just not a good start to the year who's next here who wants to jump in on this uh i'll take it It, it's (laughs)
2: tough to jump in um Two stats I want to bring up. He has a uh, 59% completion percentage so far. He is sandwiched in between uh, the Giants' Daniel Jones and the Bears' Mitchell Trubisky, who has been benched. Um, I had to go to the second page to find Carson Wentz uh, on the NFL sites to bring that up. Uh, Also, his uh, overall QB rating, 63%. uh, Also behind Daniel Jones and Sam Darnold. Uh, those are just awful, awful
1: stats, guys. That's that's um, not good company, Matt.
2: No, no, not good company at all. Uh, yeah, Chris, you nailed it. He's been airing the ball out uh, downfield. He's, he's only had one um, or two this season, but everything to me uh, is five to ten yards past the receiver or it's out of bounds. I've seen him just... Uh, air it out and it go uh into the sideline. So he can't hit the he can't hit the far pass. He's been doing okay over the middle, though he does have that pick early on. There was also the one play where two receivers looked like they were running the same route five yards apart and he just tossed it up and I think he got lucky. I think Ertz just wound up coming up with it. Uh, so it's it's been uh, tough football to watch. It's interesting, I think we started off this season after the first two losses saying it's the offensive line. I think we're starting to realize that uh, Wentz is responsible as well. Uh, you know, one, one of the good things I saw out of Wentz, I thought he ran the ball well when the pocket collapsed. He had a couple good runs, uh, one of which was the uh, touchdown to tie the, the game at the end. Uh, now, if you look at that play, he dives uh, headfirst very similar to when he got hurt um, in the Rams game a few years back. I want to open it up to the group there. Is that, is that fearless football or is that stupid in this point in his career? I like the
3: aggressiveness there, Matt. I thought he only had one man coming at him. He had the sideline, you know, to his right. So he had that kind of as a, a safety net. No one would come at him from that side. I like the aggressiveness, and he got really low on, on, the, on, the, on the dive into the end zone, so I'm, a, I'm for it. But, I mean, I guess, like, it, you know, it really is going to become a question of is his play excusable? Um, I guess Carson, being the caliber player that he is, gets more leeway um, because he has such a big contract, because we've seen so many good things from him in the past. So then you really just start asking yourself, like, what could it be that is making him so inconsistent, so inaccurate, so um, sloppy in his play? And, like, there's only a few things that I can think of. One, uh, maybe he really didn't put the time into the little things over the offseason. Because I would imagine being an accurate quarterback is all about getting constant reps, consistent reps, getting that muscle memory down and and in the pocket with your receivers the other option would be maybe he's injured and he's just hiding it um I don't think that's the case because I think the Eagles I mean I I really hope that's not the case because if the Eagles were hiding that from the fan base um man we'd really give it to him he's done Uh, it
2: before Mike
3: he has done it it before
2: yeah they certainly have
3: Um, but it I don't know it's kind of a head scratcher so You know, we'll see. But I guess, you know, Carson gets a little more leeway because it's Carson. Chris? Yeah,
0: and I I think um, I'm glad that Matt was kind of touching on a a bright spot. And I know I uh, did mention his his rushing play. He did run. uh, He had nine rushes for 65 yards, an average of 7.2 against the Bengals. Now, it is against the Bengals, but I do think that's a good thing for him to show, especially with the injuries that are going on uh, along – Uh, both the Eagles offense and defense but for him to be able to threaten that I think is a positive thing for his game and it's almost like we're seeing levels the first few weeks it was the O-lines falling apart and Carson can't make good decisions about when to throw the ball away when to kind of say when and as time's gone on we've seen him make some plays with his legs albeit you know looking different than he had before not quite as nimble but as I said he's also throwing the ball away a little bit more now But it's at times where when you look at the spread of the field and all the progressions he should have gone through, there's usually an option somewhere in there that's open. So there's so many things going on with Carson Wentz right now. I I agree with Mike. I wish I could put my finger on it. I'll bet Carson wishes he could put his finger on it. But things that that I feel like I'm not seeing from Carson is – when we were watching him have success uh, in the years that he had success not just 2017 but even at the end of last year we were seeing plays that were kind of emblematic of Carson Wentz's skill set that he was familiar with and familiar with running and throwing to a certain receiver we're not really seeing a lot of that there are new relationships going on Jalen Rager obviously he's injured now but they were starting to develop John Hightower um Dallas Goddard's relationship with Carson Wentz is kind of you know, budding, but even relationships that he's had now since he came to the Eagles, like with Zach Ertz, we're seeing those not be quite as solid as they were before. So, I really have concerns about Carson as a player and his own skill set, but also from the vantage point of how he's connecting with the coaching, which we're going to get to in a moment, and then also with um, with the uh, the receivers that are some new, but others. You know, I feel like he should have rapport with. We were seeing him and Deshaun really get along last year before Deshaun is injured and certainly we haven't seen that relationship very much this year just in spots but when we transition to another big issue I think most Eagles fans are bemoaning it's about Doug Peterson this weekend really playing for a tie and instead of opting to attempt a 64-yard field goal for Jake Elliott to instead punt and essentially be okay with the Eagles uh, finishing the game in a tie maybe for fear of giving the ball back to Joe Burrow excuse me, and having the Bengals offense go down and, and score to win the game. So felt like more of playing to tie right. than it did avoiding
3: a loss. Yeah. Let me just toss this in here. And I was watching Doug's uh, press conference on Monday afternoon or Monday around noon. Um, and he says if he could have it over again, he would have gone for it on fourth down, had the offense on the field, gone for the first down, and then a field goal. Um, so I don't even know if I like that line of thinking either um but yeah I just wanted to throw that in there
0: well I want to say that on the drive prior to that before their their final drive because the Eagles were able to have three offensive drives in overtime which is insane that they were at the Bengals 42 they still had down and distance to go they could have run the ball Miles Sanders was averaging sorry uh 5.3 yards a carry so I mean if they run two plays, you're looking at a 30 some yard field goal, which for Jake Elliott is much easier. Um, And to me, again, we've talked about having your finger on the pulse and Doug not uh, so far this year. And that, that continued to be true. Um, That's also damning in the sense that if if they were going to get those extra yards, it probably would have come through the run game, which seemingly partway through this game, he decided he didn't want to go with anymore. Miles Sanders to me, and I mentioned it on, on our, our preview pod, which, uh, Never got posted, and probably for good reason because of the way the game turned out. But Miles Sanders looked electrifying when he had the ball in his hands, uh, running the ball, especially those first few. I felt like he ran for three first downs on his first three carries, so he was ripping uh, through the the Bengals defense, and clearly was the strong point of the offense. And Doug just gravitated away from the run game, in my opinion, essentially putting more pressure on Carson Wentz. So that's the bit, Those are a couple big points. My last one that I'm going to say is. These plays where it's third and eight, third and nine, he's throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage are, are so maddening as, as a fan. And we've been seeing this stuff, even going back to Chip Kelly, Uh, this is something he used to do also. And it's something that I think really reflects to the, from the, the watching vantage point that the coach is really out of touch with what's needed at the time, because clearly when you watch it on TV, the defense knows what's coming and swarms the play as soon as it happens. They're ineffective plays. Doug, in those positions was normally dialing up something a little bit more original. Uh, we, we really prided ourselves on his ability to, to identify what play needed to be called. So those are the really, the, the big things I'm seeing. He played for the tie this Sunday, he abandoned the run game, and he's thrown behind the line in, in really critical down and distance. Matt, what do you got?
2: Yeah. Uh, I want to build off of what Mike said. Uh, you are correct. He came out the next day and uh, said that he, if he could have done it over again, he, he would have done it differently but right after the game he said no he would uh stick with what he ran and maybe that was a knee jerk reaction and he had more time to think about it but i want my coach to be consistent all right uh don't don't flip flop uh a day after the fact i got a good stat here uh courtesy of Sal Palantonio. since 2016 35% of teams have completed fourth and 12 plays eagles are at 32% since Uh, 2016, so right around the league average. And, yeah, it's lower, but I don't know. I I take those odds uh, given the situation. One of the other things was I I believe it was fourth and 12 when we ran the uh, Philly special. And that was just, uh, you know, Nick Foles having confidence, your quarterback on the field having confidence, your uh, coach believing in your uh, QB and running the play. I, I saw no conference between um, Wentz and uh, Peterson there, and I don't know. I, I question their chemistry, and I think you have to question it because Peterson's a former quarterback, He and they should be on the same page there. Um, I agree with you, Chris, The 39, three minutes left in the second, and he checks down to Ertz in the flat. Uh, it's it's ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, yep. Miles Sanders with only 18 carries, he should have had 25 carries. And I believe that there were some times where we would have gotten down into a short um, third and one or fourth and two, uh, and we could run that QB um, sneak play with Wentz that has been averaging about uh, three yards. You know, just jam it down their throat because – yeah, we do see some of the wide receivers developing, but, you know, they're second string on a lot of teams in this league. Uh, they're not first uh, first string material on a, a lot of teams. So I, we need more from Peterson. I need more consistency from Peterson. I think he switched up the game plan uh, in a few games. I think he kind of stuck with the game plan in Washington, and that's why they came back. And maybe he thinks he needs to switch it up now, but – I don't know it, it's it lack of consistency, and I lack of leadership, uh I think. Andrew?
1: Yeah, look, this is supposed to be fearless Doug Peterson, right? Big ball's Doug, you know, the guy who led us to the Super Bowl. Um, I've seen zero creativity this year. Um, it seems like we have four or five plays that we just either flip or switch different receivers, but they're the same exact plays. The runners are running the same routes. It's the same handoff structure. I mean, every time Corey got the ball, it was the same play. Just flipped. His two runs were the exact same play. Um, look, I mean, I know his uh, – we're shining a light on this because of the, um, the bumbling at the end of that game, the decision to, to punt rather than go for it. Um, but he didn't call a good game the entire game through. There was a play early in the third quarter. It was second and six. Miles, all you have to do is feed Miles, right? But no, let's get creative. Let's run a little sweet play to Greg Ward, who loses eight yards. And then the next play is third and 12. You ran a wide receiver screen to back to Ward for a, game, uh, for a no game. Like that is just – I don't know if that's overthinking it or, or, or what, but it's, it's incompetence really. And I think there's been elements of this with Doug throughout his tenure here, but they have not been so egregious because Carson and the offense, we've been able to score points, we've been able to win games. But now, I mean, it's it's more apparent than ever that maybe they should have brought in an offensive coordinator. Maybe Doug isn't the mastermind. Maybe it, was, maybe it was Frank Reich and you know all these guys during that 2017 special season. Um, I don't know. And I don't know what he does because I don't see him changing up the game plan that much. He's boiled it down. He's tried to simplify it so that he can help Carson, but it's just another way of coddling him. So I honestly don't think Doug is going to do anything that different. Should he run the ball 30-plus times a game? Yes. Will he? No, not once this season do I have faith that he'll run the ball 30 times. Um, so yeah, I mean it, it's frustrating. Mike, your thoughts on on Dougie?
3: Yeah, I mean I don't know if you guys caught this, I, and I'm I'm in total agreement with 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 everybody here. Um, I don't know if you caught this post game, but when asked about Miles Sanders' usage in the second half during the game, Doug said he basically blamed it on uh, fatigue set in with Sanders and, and therefore he couldn't feed him the ball quite as much. One, like it's kind of a scary thing for the coach to actually make that type of excuse, whether it's legit or not, he shouldn't be saying that to the media. Um, You know, he should be protecting his player miles. That's definitely not a good sign on the plus side. I will say, you know, in terms of running the ball better, I like that Jalen Hurts play where he had Jalen Hurts line up shotgun. I think he ran for eight yards. Definitely incorporate. You got to be creative, right? If it's not just going to be miles, you got to be creative about getting other people involved in the run game. And maybe that's an area that we should see Doug to explore. Some of the jet sweeps they can be frustrating, but you know, continuing continuing any type of run play, whether it's Hurts lining up. Um, whether it's some kind of sweep play or wide receiver sweep or up the middle or uh, sweep play with Miles, you know, just keep that going. Chris? Uh, just, I'm going to throw
2: uh, it to Quick point there, Mike. Uh, all good points, but, yeah, the run game. Um, we heavily relied on Miles Sanders, and it worked. But uh, where was Boston Scott? Where was Corey Clement? It, they only had three carries each, one for eight yards, one for five. And Boston had zero catches. Uh, they both had zero catches. So where it's been running back by committee in the past, um, he went heavy with Miles Sanders, which I think we like. But if he's fatigued, why aren't one of those guys in running the ball? Chris?
0: Yeah, I think it really, like I said, for me, it goes back to you know having your finger on the pulse. Uh, when we're looking at this particular game, we'd say, Doug, it's overtime. I mean, that's the main thing for me as it goes back to, like, Doug, it's overtime. We need to win this game. This is a dire situation. Um, and I really – I know that you can't rush or get too excited, but I didn't feel a real strong sense of urgency to win this game from Doug. Uh, I saw it in Carson on that run, uh, albeit a little more rickety than I'm used to seeing him. Uh, but, yeah, I, I definitely think Doug has his issues, especially I think what Andrew's saying about the, the creativity and sort of the lack of creativity. To me, this offense is, has yearned for uh, a real, you know, bell cow back, and they finally have it in Miles Sanders, and his refusal to, to use him consistently and really base the offense on what Miles Sanders can do, and that can include the pass game, um, is really upsetting because I, I've wanted a player like Miles, and I think he is the guy. I really do think he's a great player uh, who's being underutilized, and I do think it's up to Doug to make sure that Miles has a balance of the game. The team, and we're gonna talk about where the team's headed. To me, if the team's headed anywhere, it's because Miles Sanders is a big part of it. So we'll talk about that moving forward. But Doug, just be better. Your balls are tiny right now. Races. Uh blueberries. Um pine nuts. Pine nuts. Pine nuts. Papitas. Okay. Like you could, you could, by the end of the season, you could get to like a watermelon status. It's it's all up to you, buddy. Okay. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about the defense. Um, so the line was strong in this game. We, we foresaw that in our um, discussions last week. They come away with eight sacks. They hit Joe Burrow 18 times, including one absolutely devastating blow from Malik Jackson um, that, that had a real strong pop to it when you heard it back in live audio on the TV broadcast. Um, line definitely got after uh, Burrow and the Bengals' very terrible offensive line. Um, I want to just touch on a couple of things. First of all, Fletcher had a game. We've been waiting for Fletcher to go off. I do feel like he had a great game. Um, and again, after we discussed uh, the game against the Rams, he had a great game there, but I felt like he was constantly popping up on the screen. His name was being said a lot on the broadcast. Um, he really stood out to me. The other player that really stood out to me is Josh Sweat. And he did only have one sack, but he consistently made plays throughout the game, causing pressure, causing disruption. And his sack, if you watch that in slow motion, He completely sets up the offensive lineman. The offensive lineman sticks one hand out. He swipes both hands with his two hands, and he's gone. Um, And I think he is – to put it through Andrew's text on on Sunday afternoon, uh, Sweat is greater than Barnett. Derek Barnett did have two sacks. I believe both of them were against tight ends, if I'm not mistaken, which, you know, Sweat got the start over Derek Barnett. I think there's real question marks there. However, the line in general – was able to put together a a strong game as we thought they would, but against sort of a lesser offensive line. Touch on the uh, secondary just a little bit. Darius Slay was a good sign. Uh, Obviously, we traded for him from uh, the Lions for, I think, what ultimately just wound up being a third because it was the third and a fifth and then there was a player or something that happened there. But anyhow... Wound up with a a good deal here. Darius Slay left the game at one point, looked like a really ugly injury where his arm got wedged underneath a player. And he came back in overtime and made a crucial uh, swat of the ball against A.J. Green. Uh, Was on A.J. Green from what I saw most of the day, maybe on Boyd once or twice. Um, And and the Bengals did have a good receiving core. And I did think it tested uh, the Eagles cornerbacks um, who did give up some yards. But I, I saw good plays out of Slay. Uh, One big play out of Nikel Ruby Coleman. Uh, Craven LeBlanc seemed to get a lot of play in this game, broke up a pass and and definitely made some tackles. Uh, But the middle of the field, the linebackers and the safeties on defense are just a a bleeding hole uh, in this defense. And it's part of the identity that the Eagles have had for most of our watching lifetime at either of those positions where they have neither now. And I guess maybe that's what I want to start on. If there are other points from either the D line or the secondary, certainly hit on them, but, I'm just seeing such a problem with that, Matty. Uh, the linebackers and the safeties, and just the lack of the leadership.
2: Yeah, just uh, real quick on the line, uh, Chris. I, I can't agree more. Played great, eight sacks. Uh, we held the Bengals to only 48 rushing yards, and I think Joe Mixon is a talented running back. I think that's uh, very impressive that uh, hold them only to 48 rushing yards. Uh, we do have to bring up, and I know we're trying to stay positive here. They were going up against the worst offensive line in the league and a rookie quarterback. Yes, a very talented rookie quarterback who uh, threw for 256 yards, which is still impressive. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought the defensive line played great. I think uh, Brandon Graham is having a phenomenal year. Uh, I like to see my boy Fletcher Cox, as always. Uh, they they dominated on the uh, on the defensive line. And I agree with you. The... Eagle secondary, I thought, stepped up as well. Um, Devontae Maddox led with uh, seven tackles. Darius Slay, seven tackles. Uh, you know, they shut down A.J. Green. What I didn't like to see was uh, two things. Uh, the short touchdown to T. Higgins, uh, Trevor Williams got burnt. I looked it up. This guy is supposed to run a 4 4 and T. Higgins, just right off the line, runs diagonal. Diagonal into the end zone, and it, it's a touchdown. He he beat him by five yards. He didn't even make a move. He just uh, went diagonally, um, and uh, it, we we can't have that. Um, and then also uh, T.J. Edwards in the end of the second uh, end of the second quarter, the Bengals were in a two-minute drill, and we were playing this very soft zone D and all of our middle linebackers looked lost. All of our linebackers looked lost, I should have said. Um, he winds up with only one tackle, two assists, and they were just floating in no man's lands um, in the field. So we, we do need to tighten that up, but uh, a lot of good play out of the secondary, um, a lot of good play out of the defensive line. Can't say the same for the linebackers. Andrew or Mike?
1: Yeah, I mean, here we go again, talking about the linebackers. Um, It's garbage. They are garbage. We run this soft zone uh, for added protection, so we only rush four. And every time they just drop it over the middle to Boyd, remember that? Like, it seemed like it was ten straight times. And it seemed like Nathan, Gary, Jerry, Barry, whatever his name is, is late to the party, late to the tackle, and just, like, just not there. He bites on everything as well. what i want to just comment on specifically is the red zone defense um, i don't think it's been there at all and that used to be our bread and butter we used to be like the bend don't break kind of thing right so we give up those yards but we stop them in the red zone hold them to a field goal we don't do that how many how many wide open passes to to tight ends or or third wide receivers have there been this year so many there were two this year two this game there was three to Higby. They seemed like they were all wide open. And that is, is you know, the, the hardest one to take right now. Um, and I believe when you're backed up that much, it, 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 everybody matters. And I think the line is is doing the best they can. But when you have no linebackers that would be a starter on any other football team, it shows. And it shows in the red zone. And that's why we're giving up touchdowns instead of holding in the field goals. That's why we're getting ourselves in, in bad positions and, and losing football games. So uh, this joke of an experiment with Jalen Mills back there—he missed a sack, by the way, too. He had a corner blitz wide open on Burrow, and he just missed him. Um, but yeah, the safeties, linebackers—it's just frustrating, and it's highlighted in the red zone. Um, you know, where's where's Kayvon Wallace? Why isn't he? Why is he more active? Where is he? Is he that bad? Is he is he struggling with the playbook? I don't know. Where is
0: he? he did get some he... snaps on. He did get some snaps on Sunday. I remember seeing him out there uh, okay. on one or two defenses. He's on a lot of special team snaps, but Correct. I'm going to get to him. I actually have a point about him moving moving forward,
1: but yeah. Well, I mean, I'll move on to Mike. It's just where where's he? Where's where's Davion Taylor? You drafted him high. You can't. You're telling me he can't get on the field above above these linebackers we have. Um. So I don't know. Just
3: frustrating. Yeah, certainly, man. Um it's it's probably only a matter of time before you see Kayvon come into play. As a rookie, you know, they probably wanted Mills to be that that veteran player who held the spot down until so he could either solidify it or, you know, the rookie could step up into it. Um, but I really, you know, in, in talking about the red red zone defense and all these, like, easy touchdowns for giving up in the red zone, um, I think it goes hand-in-hand hand with our overall pass defense. Like, The Eagles are, the defense is still looking for its first interception um, on the season. They haven't picked one ball off yet, which is just, you know, maybe that's a good marker for how good our pass defense is. Um, You know, that could be definitely a result of the linebackers in conjunction with the defensive backs not being that great. But, you know, maybe something back there is not working and needs to be addressed. Chris, let me send it to you.
0: Yeah, I think it's just something about the center of the field. And I really – I watch shapes a lot when I watch football. And you can just see that there's this, there's this absence in the middle of the Eagles secondary. And, you know, having players there like Nigel Bradham before, like Jordan Hicks before who were built a little bit bigger um, and who could take up some space in the middle and move laterally, um, that's a presence. And like Andrew said, you can't expect to go into the season Uh, with this linebacking core and be successful or at least threaten teams uh, if they want to come downhill with a a running back who's on the bigger side or with a tight end. And the Eagles are playing potentially one of the best tight ends in this league uh, on Sunday if Kittle's active. I think he was active uh, this past weekend. So um, they'll be playing, you know, Mark Andrews in a few weeks. They're going to be playing up against Chase Claypool from uh, the Steelers, who's a wide receiver getting used like a tight end because of his size. So they're going to be up against that challenge a bunch moving forward. Um, I think it's going to continue to be an issue. So I want to hit on one more thing before we get on uh, to is the season salvageable. And that's that I think Jason Peters played absolutely horrible on Sunday. Um, He was getting absolutely torched by, um, I guess it's Carl Lawson from the the Bengals, um, who's a, a DN and was just just running circles around. Uh, Jason Peters most of the game. I felt like most of the highlights were uh, him just getting blown past and, and uh, whoever the rusher was getting in Wentz's face. I'm really disappointed with Jason Peters. I hope he can turn it around. I know he's a Hall of Famer. He just – he really looks old. Um, and at this point, I, I feel uh, – I, I can't help but feel, I should say, frustrated with him that he demanded higher pay to only slide over, cause all this disruption on the offensive line and then show up in a game like that um, and let up as many pressures as he did. He was a turnstile. Uh, So I I don't really think there is anything anybody can say about that. We just have to hope for better from a veteran. But this leads us to the question of is the season salvageable? And to sort of start off where we left off, one thing I think the Eagles may be charged with doing, because Avante Maddox will be out for at least a couple of games from what I'm hearing with an ankle injury, Um, I think they may be best suited to bring in Kayvon Wallace at the safety position and to move Jalen Mills uh, to the other outside corner position in lieu of Trevor Williams. I think they may have better chances of being able to be a better red zone defense. Jalen Mills, when he was a corner, the red zone is where he really shined. Um, So, you know, to me, defensively, that's, that's a place where they can start. And I'm with Andrew, as far as the linebackers, you have the kid from temple, Sean Taylor, uh, I'm sorry, Sean Taylor, Sean Bradley. uh, And then, uh, Davion Taylor from Colorado both of whom are are faster players they're young players the Eagles clearly are trying to find themselves why not play those guys so those are two things that I can think of uh, on defense that I'd like to see a lot more of but I'm with Mike there have been opportunities for picks um, if the defense is is able to to recognize and and especially the corners turn around and find the ball Uh, but I'd really like to see more turnovers across the board but those are just two moves I think would help moving forward. But I think what we really want to talk about is the offense because that's where we see the most issues. Obviously, the defense had a strong day on Sunday for the most part, but it's the offense, I think, where we can turn our attention. And if the season is salvageable on offense, um, how, how is that possible? How do we see that as a podcast uh, being possible? So um, I think we might be able to go mics off for this segment and just kind of talk it out loud. I know we've brought up Miles Sanders a couple of times now, um as being more of a focal point I I do think Doug if it means changing his philosophy if it means adjusting his playbook he needs to do it because Sanders is the player with the most potential to hurt the defense uh so that's that's a starting point I mean Andrew said 30 carries a game I'd love to see a 25 carry game I don't think he's gone more than 22 Matt are you able to check that the most ever carries for Sanders in a game I don't think it's been more than low 20s so, I mean, if, if Doug yeah, is – he, he hasn't he hit power. that
2: 30, 30 uh, mark yet, Chris.
0: Yeah, and and I don't think Doug will ever get up at 30, but even, you know, 22, 23, 25 carries, something like that, I think would really make Carson Wentz feel a sense of confidence that Miles can really do a lot for this team. He's a young player. He was injured, at you know, coming off from the offseason. He's healthy now. Let him run. They've been looking for this kind of a player. So, I think we're all in agreement that Doug needs to increase – uh, the, the focus on using Miles Sanders. Anybody have any thoughts on that, either different or just kind of additionally?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and maybe it's not 30 carries for, for miles, but it's at least 30 rushes, right? So maybe he's in that 2022 still, but, and, and with a couple catches, um, but you get Scott and Clement involved a little bit more. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I was just going to say, so when we think about, you know, the other factors, so we're, we're all seeing, you know, more focus on the run game. And I think that's going to be imperative moving down the stretch, especially to also control the clock um, and help themselves as they go out on the road. And we'll talk about the game upcoming against the 49ers on Thursday's podcast, but what are some of the other things that we're seeing on offense might, that you think might be able to help? Yeah. Andrew, were you done with that point there?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think it, that's what it boils down to. Let's run the ball. Let's give it into the playmaker's hands. Right now, it's Sanders. It's not Wentz. It's not Deshaun. It's not, you know, Rager. It's, it's, it's Miles. So give, give him the ball.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the big losses uh, from last week is, you know, a Dallas Goddard going down with an injury. And it looks like he's going to miss some time. So with as vital of a role as Goddard is um, in Doug's offense, he likes to play both him and Ertz at the same time. um, There's going to need to be some schematic change, probably just in formations and whatnot that Doug shows. But with that said, I think, the Eagles need to get back to their roots. Whatever's going on between Ertz and the organization, if there's any politics, like, put that behind you and feed him the ball. Like, get back to having, you know, make, let him break his own record of, what, like 90-plus catches in a season. Just get that man the ball as much as possible. He is such a weapon for you. Um, so, yeah, Matty?
1: Yeah, real quick on that Ertz point, though. It, it looked like he f- was going to get back to that, that level last game. You know, I think he fell back into that 10-target, seven-catch kind of game. But they didn't seem like, you know, other than that big catch towards the end they, and the one-handed catch, not as much meaningful yards as as we're used to seeing out of him. Um, but yeah. I, I fully agree. He needs to be – that needs to be Carson's go-to again. So maybe Goddard being out helps that. I don't know
3: maybe maybe that's a happy accident i don't
1: know <laughs> yeah tough tough, tough to <laughs> wish for but yeah happy happy accident is a great classification for that
2: <laughs> um just jumping in here yeah i i think uh, i think it is sal- sal- salvageable and i think the reason why is we play in the nfc lease uh, we are you know we're we're kind of still in it guys even though we're 0-2 and 1 yes we have a very tough schedule that we have to go through but Uh, We're not even a quarter of the way through the season. So to say that it's not salvageable at this point, I think uh, you just can't do it. Plenty of games left, plenty of football to play. Yes, hammer it to miles. I think if our offensive line can keep playing together, they build chemistry. It's just going to strengthen the run game. Uh, So I I think those are the two things. Just want to throw in a curveball on the defensive side. Uh, Earl Thomas is still available. Now a lot of teams are passing on this guy. Did he get picked up?
0: Picked up? Kirk? I, I saw he was working out with the Texans. I don't know if if that he did he leave. No,
2: so they uh, they let him go when he left practice early. So definitely not a locker room guy. But we are talking about um, a free safety that has uh, seven Pro Bowl, seven Pro Bowl. I can't talk to that. Seven Pro Bowls, three. First team all pros and a Super Bowl win. I don't know. I would take a chance on him. Any thoughts on that?
0: I don't know if I, I think I think Earl Thomas is kind of a shell of himself, and, and you might be inviting you know like an Orlando Scandrick kind of scenario. Just in terms, not not specifically with with Wentz, uh, but more so just with more this uh, just drama in the locker room that I think they'll probably want to avoid. I agree as the pedigree, but he's kind of a shell of himself. Andrew, would you take a flyer on Earl?
1: Yeah, why don't we bring them in, bring in uh, Des Bryant, Antonio Brown. We'll just have like a tremendous <laughs> uh, – just a great locker room situation.
0: Do <laughs> what Ricky so, Williams is up to. A lot of times, um, though. I, I, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> hey, man, it's like an it's like a, uh, uh, NFL street team, I feel like. Yeah. Like <laughs>
3: Ooh. Bring back the <laughs> – um, great, great video game. 2.0. Yeah,
0: it's a tremendous video game. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, talking about the season being salvageable, we talked about the run game. We talked about Doug becoming more flexible. Um, I think something that I hope will help is that, you know, this game, this uh, third game against the Bengals was the third different offensive line that's been in front of Wentz. We have to hope that some stability there with Pryor now being on the right, Herbie being on the left, uh, if, if that can stay the same, at least for the time being, with Wait. those parts being in place. Yeah.
3: Chris, I'm sorry. I, totally, I forgot to – bring this up during the, when we were discussing the offensive line. Can somebody explain to me how prior jumps on a false start on a punt play when there's no fans in the stands? I, uh, is that your movement movement as an offensive lineman is on the ball, right? Everything's based off the ball movement.
0: Uh, I, I think by some stretches, that's a, that's a cuttable offense. Uh, I don't know I don't think the Eagles we, we will come down them no, like that we have no he has no other
2: offensive linemen. exactly
0: and they, <laughs> is they, such they, they arm don't arm have the depth to be that to be that swift with people, but I think on certain teams that that sort of is just such a big mistake i, I can't see I, other teams I have suffering. I
1: have a defense if you watch you play, if you watch the play again, the defensive lineman does this downshift, and it like it should have been on the defense, I think. I think the defense. Oh, okay. Players, I, I I couldn't uh, agree with you more. You, it was, you can't
2: do that you can't move your hands like that. He almost he, smacks the ground. Yeah, in front
1: of yeah, and it it was like camouflage in the way that he was just shifting, but he really did kind of go forward, and I think that's that's what did it. Um,
0: Interesting. So. So, I'll have to watch that again. I didn't pick up on that in the in the live footage, but I mean, I I think realistically, again, thinking about things being salvageable, you know. I think if the run game is able to set up the pass game, that will help us. Um, And and seeing Carson throw a deep ball to Deshaun into double coverage uh, that was way over his head to start the game, I think it's nice to threaten the deep pass, but it's really not uh, serving its purpose if it's not being set up by the run. And Miles Sanders had such a hot start to this game. If he had one or two of those runs that he had to start uh, from the 25, uh, and then you throw it deep to Deshaun for a touchdown, we're talking about a completely different game. Uh, and a different quarterback in terms of his level of confidence so that's something that I'd like to see a little bit better established so we talked about the run game we talked about Doug being more flexible we talked about the O-line being more consistent and hopefully uh, being able to stop their penalties that were really a plague in the last game um, but otherwise I think part of what we need to see is just better play from Wentz um, especially with his accuracy I, I want to see a little bit uh a little bit more of that sort of him taking off and running when he notices that things are breaking down. But I just want to see better accuracy, and I I hope that can be set up by Miles Sanders sharing a little bit more of the load and Carson having a little bit less on his mind and being able to go through his reads and find receivers. The the combination of him being inaccurate and him missing really obvious throws uh, to me is if Carson really is heading down the drain in some kind of way, it's because of those two things. Um, But I think if he can get those two things sorted out, and if Doug can sort of orient the game plan to suit him getting into a rhythm, then I think he's going to be able to be successful. Um, I also think there's something to be said about Mike said on, on sort of the last season of the Eagles water cooler that a big impression that he took out of one Doug's press conferences was Carson letting the offense work for him. Um, And that, that hasn't worked on a lot of different levels. And what we see mostly from Carson is his, forcing things to happen and in my opinion let Miles Sanders who's gonna make plays let him make plays let Zach Ertz make plays for you Um, Carson Wentz really has kind of gotten himself into a pattern where he he starts forcing it and then he keeps forcing it it almost reminds me of like someone who's trying to be funny they're not funny but they keep trying to be funny and it's it's a nowhere road and we've all seen it it's embarrassing to watch right and that's kind of what I feel like we're experiencing so we hit on some things tonight that we think you know, might help to, to salvage the season to, to turn things around a little bit. But part of what I want to see from a coaching standpoint, just to wrap up, is also them playing their young players, whether it's the linebackers we mentioned, whether it's Kayvon Wallace at safety, whether it's John Hightower at, at wide receiver. The Eagles aren't in a position to say, well, we have to play our veterans, look at our standing. They're not in that kind of position. So my opinion is don't, you know, go overboard, but put in some plays for those guys, see what you have. Uh, Because right now the team's lacking in identity, and those may be some emerging players that we're not utilizing. Look at Greg Ward, practice squad, cut left and right. Now he's really one of the most reliable receivers, as we touched on a little earlier tonight. So we will be back on Thursday to uh, discuss the upcoming game against the 49ers. Uh, But this has been a rough season so far. When we started the podcast, it was to talk about you know, good games and and great wins, but it's also to talk about these kind of moments where we're all just shaking our head in disbelief. So it's difficult to say it, but uh, go, Birds, and we'll be back with an Eagles 49ers preview.
1: Go, Birds. Go, Doug.
0: Come on, Doug. Let's go, Doug. Watermelons, Doug. Watermelons, Doug. Get your ball.
2: (laughs) Wanging past your knees. Get your balls back, Doug.
1: This is all good stuff. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's awesome.